the Association of Lutheran Mission Agencies annual national conference will be January 31st through February 1st in St. Louis, Missouri. Join other mission-minded organizations and leaders to learn about the changing face of missions while remembering that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Learn more about ALMA, its membership, and the conference at www.almanetwork.org. If you're looking for parenting direction in today's chaotic world, and your pint-sized treasures often seem to have the upper hand, you're not alone. How can we encourage healthy attitudes, positive behavior, and long-lasting values in children of all ages? Join us today as we talk with the author of Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours. My guest is Dr. Kevin Lehman. He's an internationally known psychologist, radio and television personality, speaker and educator who has taught and entertained audiences worldwide with his wit and common sense. He's a New York Times bestselling author of more than 50 books. Lehman lives with his wife, Sandy, in Arizona. They have five children and four grandchildren. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Dr. Lehman. Thanks so much for being our guest today on Family Shield. You're welcome, Kay. Good to be with you. Thank you. Good to have you. So you state in your introduction in your book, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours, that if your kids are in charge, it's time for a new game plan that's a win-win for all. What do you mean by this? Well, even the Ankle Battalion has a, they have a game plan. And uh, if you take a look around the country, parents seem to be uh, obeying their children. I'm old enough to remember when kids used to obey their parents. So what I've tried to do in making children mine without losing yours it sold well over a million copies, so it, it obviously has a pretty good track record, is give parents a simple plan, some things to think about, that put them in authority without being an authoritarian. And here's the problem. Most of our Christian teaching that has come out of mouths of people with doctorate degrees has been authoritarian-based. It says, I'm bigger than you are, I'm better than you are, you're going to do what I tell you to do, and that's the end of that discussion. I got news for you. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It is the way most of us grew up, though, isn't sure, it? Sure, we all did. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. Um, you also uh, tell us that we should admit that we're not perfect parents and that we should let go of the guilt. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I think you never look bigger in your kid's mind when you say, honey, I'm sorry, I misspoke, I ran over your feelings, I wasn't listening, I said something uh, too quickly, I didn't think it through, would you forgive me? I mean, for all you history buffs out there, you answer this question. Would Richard Nixon be driven from office if he went before the American people and said, you know what, you're not going to believe the stupid thing I did, I erased those tapes. He wouldn't have been driven from office because people are quick to forgive people. So, you know, if you want a little game plan, you need to understand, parent, that being an authority does not mean being an authoritarian. And the problem is that all of us grew up with parents who said things like, uh, 
Hey, you listen up. You can do what I tell you to do as long as you live on this roof. You understand me? Hey, you want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> hey, don't make me come over there. Or maybe some of your parents that just gave you the look. And your little heels clicked together and your body tightened up and you knew you better pay attention. Well, that's the authoritarian parent. But if you walk five steps, you'll find the permissive parent. Mm -hmm. And they're driven to have kids happy, happy, happy at every turn, which is absolutely useless. In fact, let me give you this one. An unhappy child is a healthy child. There's times where your son or daughter has to be unhappy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why? Because they talk back, they're disobedient, they ragged on their brother or sister or whatever. But that midpoint... And I think that's where God would have us be as parents, is that authoritative parent. But before we get to that, here's the question. Is God an authoritarian? Does he grab Kay Meyer by the earlobe, twist it, and tell her that she's going to do this, she's going to do that, and you're going to acknowledge me? No. Not the way I read it. does not like Mm -hmm. it at all. But he is the supreme what? Authority. In his holy word says, every knee shall what? Bow. So our parenting paradigm, our model, ought to be one of authoritative and not one of authoritarian. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So let's uh, talk a little bit more for our listeners about how we become authoritative parents. Give us a couple examples as well. Well, simple things. Your 12-year-old is supposed to clean his room on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and your, your charge to him is you want it shoveled out, you want to be able to see the floor. I mean, we're not talking perfection here. We're just talking about a fairly clean room. And it's not done. Well, without reminding, warnings are disrespectful acts. You as parent hire a 10-year-old sister to go in and clean it for him and pay for it out of 12-year-old's allowance. He'll catch on real quick. And so I say let the reality of the situation become the teacher to a child. And it just keeps you as a parent out of that battle zone. And remember, fighting's an act of cooperation anyway. So when you fight with, I don't care if it's your husband, your wife, or anybody, you know exactly what to say to ante up the argument. And the same is true with kids. They know all of our soft spots. They know how to engage us in battle. And like flies into a web, we go flying right in there. (laughs) So we really do have a lot of challenges in today's world, especially as we look at how many uh, children are being raised by permissive parents because um, a lot of this is is caused all kinds of problems in our society with children that think everything re- revolves around them. Well, again, here's the challenge for parents. If you bring up your kid to feel like they're the center of the universe, and that's how most of you do, okay, where's room for Almighty God in a kid's life? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not that smart, and I can figure that one out. There's no room for God in a kid's life if you bring up kids to feel like they're the centerpiece. So it's really important that you use what I call reality discipline uh, to train up kids. And, Mm -hmm. again, train up. Don't train down. Most of us train down kids. We don't train up kids. We we just do the opposite. But uh, And in the way he should go, there's another one. That doesn't mean the way you think he should go, parent. Mm -hmm. It really speaks to how... God has given an individual bent. I mean, I'm the guy that wrote the birth order book, and I'm here to tell you that the firstborn and secondborn in any family are usually night and day different. Mm -hmm. 
So you brought up uh, the reality discipline. You talk about seven principles of reality discipline to create a win-win every time. And you kind of base that, I think you base that on Ephesians 6.14. Let me read it and then ask you to just make some comments about the verse and then let's Six, talk. 6.1 through 4. 6.1 through 4, yeah. Children, obey your parents. This is the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of ten commandments that end with a promise. And this is the promise that if you honor them, yours will be a long life full of blessing. And now a word to the parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. So let's just make some comments related to that, and then let's talk about those seven principles. You know, I call St. Paul the equal opportunity employer because he talks to children, and he turns around and talks to us parents. In uh, Ephesians chapter 5, he talks to, to wives, and he turns around and talks to husbands. There's even balance on how he approaches it. Huh. But I think if you can if you can distinguish between authority versus authoritarianism, you'll see why things like um, one of my principles is learn to respond and don't react. And, uh, you know, if the doctor says to you, okay, you responded to the medication, that's good. If he says you reacted to the medication, that's Mm -hmm. very bad. So if that'll help parents keep in mind that responding is good and reaction is bad, let me give you an example. And I'll pick on a single mom. You talk about a tough road to hoe these days. Being a single mom and rearing children is more than tough. But yeah. little nine-year-old's having breakfast with his mom on a Saturday morning. And nine-year-old looks up at his mother and says, Mommy, I want a pony. A pony? A pony? She's got a deep voice. That's the stupidest <laughs> thing I ever heard of. I'm telling you, where do you get an idea like that from? I'm telling you, if a bird had your brain, he'd fly sideways. I'm telling you, you come up with the craziest things. Well, that's a reaction. Now, let me give you a response. Wow, a pony. Can you imagine having your own pony? Can you imagine riding to school in the morning on your own pony, going by the kids at the bus stop, waving your hand? The bell rings at school, and all the kids go to the cafeteria, not you. You'd have to go down and feed your pony outside. The kid looks at his mom and says, Yeah, Mom, but we live in a two-bedroom apartment. We can't have a pony here. kid will figure it out. Mm-hmm. In other words, what I'm saying is sometimes we get on our high horse as parents. We make all kinds of assumptions about our kids, and all they're doing is expressing what many children would love to have growing up as a pony. Mm-hmm. I mean, deal with it, Uh, you know, listen to the kid, ask for their opinion. When people hear my uh, suggestion, don't ask kids questions. I mean, mommy's about fall over. They're the energizer bunnies of communication. They love words. They use three and a half times the number of words that we men use in a given day. Mm. And, you know, I'm telling you, a parent, don't ask your kids questions. And they say, now, Lehman, wait a minute, hold on. If I didn't ask my kids questions, I'd never find out anything. I don't think that's true at all. Kids actually want us, they want to please us. <laughs> There's late-breaking news. Mm-hmm. So, and, and people say, well, 
Lehman, I think it's really important. Like when my son comes home from school, I always say to him, honey, how was your day today at school? I said, all right, let's do that dog and pony show right now. How was your day today at school, honey? Fine. Yeah. What did you do in school today? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) And, And then the kid goes to his bedroom, locks the door, gets on his cell phone, which you never should have bought for him, and uh, texts his buddies like a woodpecker that's got a bad case of ADHD. And they shut you out of your life. So I'm just telling you, parents, there's different ways of reaching into the minds of kids. And talking at them and asking questions is not the way to get there. That's interesting. Yeah, never heard that one before. So one of your principles is establish a healthy authority over your children. And that's going back, I'm sure, to... Uh, that Bible verse, God has placed the parents in authority over you. And I loved your analogy of the fact that God doesn't make us do anything. He's, you know, he is not an authoritative God. I love that. You're right. And, you know, let's take the older kids. Uh, the nice thing about making children mind without losing yours is this. When I speak to YPO groups, business groups, uh, leadership groups, The principles that I share basically come out of two of my books, Making Children Mind Without Losing Ears and the Birth Order book. And it's amazing. These principles work in almost any situation. But um, take the 17-year-old kid, and he says to you, uh, Dad, uh, get off my case. Get out of my life. Give me space. Chill, man. Don't have a cow. Hour and a half later, that same 17-year-old, six-foot-two-inch kid is back, and he says, Dad, can I take your car? I want to go shoot some hoops over at Jake's house. Well, I'd love to help you, son, but right now I'm uh, out of your life. And see, God didn't put you on this earth, parent, for you to be run over by your small-mouthed 17-year-old or your six-year-old. And so when you give them what I call vitamin N, which is no, and vitamin E, which is encouragement, you really add some balance. So again, the encouragement thing is one of those things that most of us didn't grow up with. And Kay, I'll give you a simple example. Kid brings home five A's on a report card. Traditional, authoritarian-based parent. And this goes for most Christian parents. Oh, five A's. Oh, I am so pleased, honey. When your dad hears this, I'm calling Aunt Martha and Grandma right now, right now. Oh, this is wonderful. Uh, Mommy loves you so much. Here's three kisses and a $20 bill. Now, there's your typical parent. What I'd like to see happen with an authoritative parent is that parent says, wow, five A's. Honey, it looks like all that hard work you put into it really paid off. Congratulations. And you just saved yourself 20 bucks, parent. You see what I'm saying? The takeaway for the kid is so much better than just blue smoking them and flip them a $20 bill. Mm-hmm. This is good stuff. So uh, one of your other principles, hold your children accountable for their actions. Give us some examples of that. Well, you know, a kid uh, throws a temper tantrum at the mall uh, because he wants a candy treat. And, uh, again, what do you do in those moments? There's all kinds of people around. You step over the child. Keep walking. Watch what that little sucker does. He gets up. He runs, does a second belly flop in front of you. And all he is saying is, listen, this is supposed to be working, parent. I am an authority over you. And by your 
just moving along, picking him up, depending upon his age, putting him over your shoulder, walking him out, whatever, says, you know, the train's leaving, you're going to be on it, you're going to get over this, you don't pay off all of his antics. And before long, a kid learns that throwing temper tantrum doesn't work in his family. Honey, I know you're disappointed, but you know we're going to eat dinner here shortly, and I'm not stopping, and we're in a hurry. Dad's going to be home in a while, and i got to get dinner on the table. So to me, that's very logical, makes sense. It keeps you out of that day-to-day hassle, Kay, and I think mm-hmm. so many moms, when they – they're exhausted just getting their kids up for school in the morning, getting them out to catch the bus. Well, what would happen if all of a sudden a parent quit waking the kid up for school? And this goes back to one of those principles of action, not words. And he gets up at 10 o'clock instead of 7.30. He's going to be angry. He's going to say, I missed a algebra test or a geometry test. And you keep your wits about yourself. You say, honey... I'm done with this dog and pony show, yelling and screaming at you every morning and reminding you to get up and the bus is going to be coming. I'm done. From now on, you're going to get yourself up. And now check this out. you got to write a, a note because the kid's late. Here's the note, mommies. Listen to me. Dear teacher, dear principal, little Buford has absolutely no reason to be late today to school. Feel free to do whatever your kids who are legally tardy love mom. <laughs> yep. That makes sense. We need to do those things. You know, there was a lady at a wedding feast in Cana in Galilee. Now, if you don't believe this story, look up John 2 and see if I'm not telling you the truth. And they run out of vino at this big wedding bash. And Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, son, do your thing. And Jesus was not real happy about that. In fact, he turned and he says, woman. He called his mother woman. What have you to do with me? And uh, what does she say then? What does Mary do? Does Mary say, what did you say? You ungrateful little snot. Do you realize I gave birth to you when I was 14 years old? No, that's not what the scripture says. She turns to the steward and says, do whatever my son tells you to do. Now, I've asked theologian friends like Bible teachers like Chuck Swindoll to explain that one to me. Because the Bible clearly says, Jesus says no, and then he changes the water into wine. But what a smart Jewish mother. (laughs) She turns to the steward and says, do whatever my son tells you to do. She took the proverbial tennis ball life, served it back in Jesus' court. And for whatever reason, he decided to change that water into wine. (laughs) So keeping that tennis ball of life, parents, on the right side of the net is really important if you want to rear a kid who's going to grow to be respectful of you and other people. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So another principle, um, let your actions match your words. Give us an example of that. Well, so many times we just cave in. You know, we tell kids, no, I'm not going to let you go there. And the kid wears you down. And pretty soon... Out of desperation, you say, okay, but that's the last time I'm letting you go. Well, the kid knows that your yes isn't yes and your no isn't no. And they work you. And again, they have, they have less at stake than we do, okay? Especially when you get into a power struggle. So in 
making children mine without losing yours, you'll see me say things like, uh, remove your sails from the child's wind. Kids are always blowing about something. And, uh, you know, we get in there like Judge Judy and try to make some summary judgment and and uh, open up our sails to the kid, and all the kid does is do a little blow, and we end up against the wall. So, again, none of this stuff is rocket science, parents. Again, this book is sold well over a million copies for a reason, because mm-hmm. there's all kinds of practical teaching right out of God's Word. It's so simple, and it works, and uh, it works for... It even works for husbands. <laughs> That's right. By the way, ladies, us husbands, we hate your questions. <laughs> we hate the Y word. And the worst thing you can say to a husband is, honey, we need to talk. <laughs> we never want to hear that one, uh, ever. Oh, boy. Um, so another one of your principles, stick to your guns, but don't shoot yourself in the foot. Now, what does that mean? Well, lots of times we back ourselves in the corner. Uh, saying thing, I, I'm never going to let you do that, or you always do that. Uh, you know, give yourself an out, parents, okay? Uh, one of the things I say in the book is don't promise your kid anything. Well, why would I say that? Well, you promise the kid he's going to go to the zoo in the park on Saturday. You're promising him it's not going to rain or snow. You're promising him the car's going to work. You're promising him no one's going to get the flu. So, not to overdo a simple point, but don't put yourself in a corner where you feel trapped. Because if you feel trapped, you're going to make the wrong decision. Don't feel like you have to respond to everything the kids ask you about. You can say to a kid, honey, let's wait and see what the weekend brings and we'll think about it. Give yourself some freedom. Good. That's great. Um, principle six, relationships come before rules and activities. I like that one. Tell us more about that. Well, my friend Josh McDowell, i got to give him credit. You know, he said this years ago, and it was so profound, I stole it from him. <laughs> I want you to be clear. I stole this okay. from Josh McDowell. He said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Uh, well, the Pharisees had rules. Sure. Um, it's all about the relationship that you have with your son or your daughter. And a lot of us, especially Christian people, we just love rules. <laughs> and I'm telling you, every kid's different, so you have to have a different relationship with each of your kids. Yep. And it's not easy to do, but it also means you it, you got to be around them, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, to be around them doesn't mean you got them in every activity under the sun, but that's how most parents uh, rear their children today. Yeah. Sometimes it would be so much better just to spend the time together at home playing games instead of running them from one activity to another. Some of them are great for them, but I think definitely it can be overdone, especially for working moms that don't have the time to be doing that. Squeezes. 4-H is the best activity I've ever seen for kids. Is that right? uh, But limiting activities for kids is a great idea. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. So uh, Principle 7 says, live by your values. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that. Kids are just simply, uh, they're very good at, you can, you know, you can fool an adult. You can't fool a kid. I guess that's my message. You, you make sure that you really do live it out. You, you're at a supermarket, for example, and the clerk gives you a change for a 50. And you gave him a 20. Mm. And your kids are right there and say, oh, excuse me, 
you didn't give me the right change. The clerk said, yes, I did. No, you didn't. You gave me change for 50. I only gave you 20. And you hand that money over. You don't have to give the kids any lessons about being honest and doing the right thing. Why? Because your words that you brought your kids up, okay, match your actions. So your actions match your words. There you are. It's it's just simple stuff. Like I said, this stuff is so simple, parents. Mm-hmm. I read some of these books that people write on parenting, and I have to tell you the truth. I shouldn't say this publicly, but I sort of chuckle and laugh when I read some of them. And so you're talking about being a model for your children, uh, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're all different. And, you know, you got to enjoy parenting. Sandy and I, we've raised five kids, and uh, we've had fun doing it. And uh, if you can have fun rearing five kids. In fact, I got her pregnant at 42. We had our little surprise. Oh, wow. And then we had our shocker at 48, not to be outdone. Oh, blessings. 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 Yeah. Right. So, (laughs) So, go ahead. It can be done with God's help, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, why is balance so important in parents? parenting? Well, balance is important because it gives kids security. See, mom is too permissive because dad's too authoritarian. And that sends a bad message to the kid. Better you both be authoritarian (laughs) than to have one authoritarian and one permissive. And so I always said God was the original humorist when he came up with this one, the two shall become one. (laughs) Because that's not an easy task because women are very weird and men are very strange but when you get a husband and a wife to get on the same page and be shoulder to shoulder uh, that breeds confidence and security for every child in that family yeah. they they feel the foundation they feel the fact that mom and dad are intertwined as one and if you can do that wow that's great you've got a wonderful foundation for rearing a family yes so dr lehman we have less than two minutes left what else do we need to know to be the best parents possible? Uh, you know, parents, you're going you're gonna to experiment on your firstborn. Your firstborn is going to be the lab rat of your family. Treat your kids differently and ask yourself, does Almighty God treat us the same? No. He gave us all different gifts. Again, I go back to the birth order book. Identical twins are really interesting people. Because identical twins have the same DNA. They're genetically the same person. But when I found this out, I I actually sort of cried and laughed simultaneously when I found this out. That identical twins have different fingerprints. Mm -hmm. Well, why did God give identical twins different fingerprints? To help the FBI? Or was this God's way of saying, you are my son, You are my daughter. You are different than anyone else. So I know it's easy. I know it's easy to say, all right, everybody in bed now, it's 9 o'clock. It makes so much more sense to put the youngest one down first and then grant the birthright to the children. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Family Shield. Dr. Kevin Lehman, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about Family Shield on our website at www.family.org. FamilyShieldMinistries.com. Connect uh, with Dr. Lehman and his material at Dr. Lehman, that's L E M A N.com. Information on his books and resources available there. Again, this is Kay Meyer. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.